Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Technic Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, are we touching things again? Oh, yeah. We're, we're touching. We are. We're just touching all the we things touch, again now. We touch. We don't. Oh, do we use antiseptic or, the, you know, the, the hand sanitizers I, I mean, and stuff like okay, that now? We, we've long established I'm the germaphobe. We, the we have. Yes, clearly. I was using the hand sanitizer before. Before. Still using still it Still using now. it, yes. But just I, maybe but I not think, as you know concerned maybe as I was. I mean, I'm going to retail establishments, stuff like that. I'm seeing people touching screens. Yeah, and not yeah, really, yeah. You know, we kind of feel like we're back to where we yeah. were. Well, it's funny you mentioned touching screens oh. because that's our topic today. We're going to talk oh. about touchscreen technology. Yes. But in particular, we're going to talk about some niche and unique yes. use cases for yes. touchscreen technology. Yes. Not the stuff that we all always think about and know about. We want to talk about, hey, where... Where can this technology be inserted in different industries and businesses mm-hmm. that maybe we don't normally think about that might benefit from touchscreen maybe technology? Maybe some little niches here that our, our e- resellers can exactly. go in and try to find some opportunities. It's all about giving them some new opportunities. Exactly. I like it. I so like it. We have Bill Nolf with us today from yes. Microtouch. He's going to yes. help us dive into these industry these expert. Yes. yes. So we're going to talk about some cases we don't talk about enough. We're going to talk about some specific stuff like cannabis dispensaries, healthcare. Uh, we'll do a little speed round of, of use I got cases some. out there. You I got do? some. Oh, look at I'm, you. I'm coming to the table prepared. You're actually prepared today. A little bit. Unlike most podcasts, you actually showed up prepared today. <laughs> yeah. Says the man yeah. who just told you he just thought up this intro right before we came <laughs> on the air. Uh, all that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today is Bill Nolf. Bill is the VP of Channel Sales for Microtouch. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your day-to-day life at Microtouch. Well, hey, thanks for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, as you stated, yeah, I'm and run the channel sales here at Microtouch. And uh, day-to-day is just uh, trying to help the bars and trying to find product and um, just getting that stuff along and then learning how to be a, a logistics person as well. So that's, uh, I've, I know you can get like green belts in that. I think I may already have one of those from all the uh, stuff with logistics we have to deal with. But uh, hey, keeps you busy and uh, keeps you involved in the business. Yeah, that logistics Amen. part wasn't really part of your job description right. originally, I assume, <laughs> you know, or anybody's for that matter. But no. everybody's had to become one an expert lately if you're involved oh my in sales gosh. in this channel yeah. at all. So. Dude, the whole channel is logistics. We all know <laughs> logistics, where it is, how it's coming. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We yeah, were all experts on pandemics before this. There you now go. we're all logistics experts. Exactly. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill, uh, let's go ahead and jump into this then because, you know, we, we brought John because we wanted to talk about some some potential use cases right. for touchscreen technology that we yeah. don't think about as often. Maybe some opportunities for our bars to go out there and find some business that mm-hmm. not everyone else is, is chasing after right now. So uh, first up, let's let's talk about prisons. This was one that I didn't expect even prisons? to... Did you just say prisons? Prisons, yes. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I, my thing is like, well, you're in prison. Like, should you even have access to the nice technology right? stuff? But... <laughs> the same time yes yes you should because yes. you know like yes. you deserve you know nice things too i mean maybe you know depending on the situation oh, no, i gotta fill in here Go ahead. Uh, yeah. but uh so so how is touch displays being used in correctional facilities right now well i think from the top level the big thing i think is that it um minimizes interaction but it um 
increases engagement. So there's less, you know, getting face to face touching, but then it can get um, both the prisoner, the staff, their their visitors more engaged by having that uh, technology. And I think it even showed its um, value more during the COVID um, when they were allowed to come back open. A lot of people thought COVID did the reverse or that it made touchscreens less um, usable. But, you know, most people, they thought, oh, I don't want to touch it. But when you have the opportunity to, if you don't have to get up close to somebody, it's a lot easier to touch and you're actually probably in a better situation of not maybe catching, you know, the, the COVID, which, you know, is still spreading. Gotcha. So you're seeing this in environments where it's, you know, visitors come in uh, in that in that type of an environment? Check in uh, the commissaries. Um, it, it allows them, you know, maybe uh, even through like a FaceTime app of some type, if it's a Mac, some of those types of thing. If you have the touch, it allows a lot less of the peripheral type uh, products around. And um, it helps generate, you know, more money when you have everything tied into the touch, the, the commissary, you know, those type of things that, you know, cuts the cash handling down. It can all be probably done through accounts that they have, you know, the prisoners have an account that's all, you know, being, being digitalized and captured into uh, applications for, you know, that are out there similar to what you would find in a front to back in a store application where it covers everything. Yeah, I got you. So the same efficiencies we're getting on touch and retail space, for example, or hospitality space, we're seeing there as well. You know, I imagine there's control rooms uh, in prisons as well, right? They've got a lot of locks, they've got a lot of doors, stuff like <laughs> got that. Got a few locks, yeah. That they, they, they need control over, and hey, you know, I can. I'm imagining the old NASA, you know, control room with knobs and buttons, <laughs> right, and, right, right. You know, right. they press the button to release door. Yeah, 107. it's probably a little more modern than that. Well, now. right, it's touch, right? Is that the UI? Maybe some of these uh, control yeah. centers going to UIs that use touch. It continues to move further in that direction, checking in um, those type of things. Then the, the other thing now with the uh, with the great uh, resignation that's going on, it's very tough for them to get employees as well. And let's think to be even begin with to go work in a prison, it's, it's a, probably a pretty hard sell to begin with. So I do believe that, you know, just as you see it in self-service and other areas, that in the prisons, it's, it even brings more value to have um, touchscreens replace people. Um, they're, they're usually to work on time and they're a little more reliable. So, um, and with the shortage, I think that, that that has built up the opportunity for more touch um, interaction within prison systems. Yeah. Now, I have not frequented a prison, so I don't know, <laughs> but I'm going to throw on the table that, you know, on the commissary and stuff like that, they probably have vending machines. Right, and you right. are starting to see vending machines start to use tech, touch yeah, technology yeah, as well, yeah. whether it's built into it or as a side, you know, you're, you're starting to see just a lot more on the vending, right? right, right. It's that whole self-serve, oh, here, I just need, you know, all I need is a screen to do this. Right, and, right. and vending machines are becoming very sophisticated yeah. in what they can deliver. Uh, off of that. And so there's, there's, I think there's probably an opportunity there as, there as well right. on the touch side. Yeah. I was pretty fascinated when, when Bill, when you mentioned this as a, you know, a, a potential use case that most people don't think about. And, mm. and my first reaction was probably what everyone's reaction is going to be is like, why are we giving nice technology to prisoners? And <laughs> again, it's one of those things like, well, you know, it doesn't mean they have to have, you know, barbaric inhumane conditions necessarily, but also we we talk about this a lot, this idea of, Hey, let people have 
access to technology that they're used to in their day-to-day lives. You go backwards and things just are a bad experience. But then also the bigger part of this is what we've already been talking about here is that we're not just talking about touchscreen technology for prisoners necessarily. Oh, there are some opportunities for that. Yeah, visitors. But it's, it's more about the visitors. It's mm-hmm. more about staff. You know, as, as Bill mentioned, the staffing issues right now. Mm-hmm. Imagine one less person that has to be there to check everybody in and mm-hmm. scan IDs and, and verify who they're there to see. One less person that has to be there to, if you know, if you want to give somebody commissary money, a loved one who's in prison, and you want to, you know, help them out by depositing some money in their their account or something, you could take care of that over a touch screen. Yeah. And I did like also, and I think when I was doing my research about this, that you know, some of there is some opportunities for touch screens for inmates themselves to use. And what I found fascinating is that, again, something I didn't think about until I read it, and maybe you thought, all oh, that makes sense, is you got to make sure that it's pretty rugged technology, too. Mm-hmm. You know, rugged screens that, you know, can't be easily broken and busted and turned mm-hmm. into a weapon of some sort, potentially. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, that the, the again, to me, this screams opportunity to to go in and be like, hey, this is if you're going to implement something like this, it's got to be more than just an iPad. Mm-hmm. It's got to be more than standard <laughs> consumer technology. Yeah. It has to be industrial you know, rugged, uh, you know, top grade technology, you know, to be put, to be put in these kind of facilities for not just for high usage, but also for any potential to get destroyed in some yeah, way. Really good. Point. So, yep. Good one. Uh, Bill, do you have anything else to add on the prison side? No, um, it's just, a, I think, a, a growing industry um, for touch. And I think for, for all types of, uh, you know, touch sizes, you know, various sizes, kiosk, point of sale systems, I think it covers the whole thing. And I do believe that, um, there's even starting to be a collection of ISVs that are focusing into that space, just as, you know, every every niche sort of comes up with the ISV V channel. So I do believe that that, that will start to grow and um, there'll be more opportunities when more of the uh, ISVs begin to bring different types of uh, value adds to the prison. Yeah, for love sure. It. Always love hearing about those software companies there, yeah. getting into an innovative niche. Not a surprise at all, but yeah. there would be some exactly. you know, focusing in on prisons. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk next about cannabis dispensaries. Uh, you know, we, we know that self-service kiosks are gaining popularity, obviously, yep. in retail in yep. general. Yep. Uh, but how do they enhance the experience when it comes to do these kind of dispensaries that are, again, popping up and growing all across the nation? Um, I think one of the first things that people don't realize, and I haven't really frequented frequented in them can't even say just like dean has a frequented prisons yeah yes right (laughs) Um, is that there are still laws that govern when you go you go in there so i think one of the things that the first thing that can be posted is sort of like how much you can buy where you can take it so there are some laws so people can go in there and self-service scroll through to make sure they're aware of that so i think there are some places that say read this first if you will and so people can scroll through on the a touch screen to do that um, then come in and, and sort of see what's in stock. You can scroll through instead of going up. You can scroll through in your privacy. Hey, I want these gummy bears or I want this, these brownies or what have you. And you're sort of secretly looking. You don't have to share by going up and saying, hey, how many of these do you have or what is that? And so it allows for a little more privacy because people are still there's still people that probably go in there with trench coat and are trying to duck around and not pretend like they're not there. So it does help for a little bit more uh, uh, autonomy when you're in there. So I think that's um, one of the the first things is when you go in and then the POS and a lot of other things. But to me, I think that's one of the big things is knowing the laws and, you know, having some, you know, autonomy when you're in there shopping. 
Absolutely. So I know nothing about dispensaries, but I have driven past a couple of them. You just and don't I know anything about anything. You, I can pass them. Wow. Well, no. Uh, so I've never been in a dispensary. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I have driven past them, and I can tell you they are very sleek retail establishments. Right, at least right. those where it's it's legalized. And so when you think about that, and the the whole customer experience that we talk about, for sure. When I look at pictures on the inside and and you see the way that, you know, the material is showcased, if you will, or merchandised, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information. And and I think that Touch would do a very good job of communicating that information. I mean, you've got a library of of information, honestly. I mean, what's the difference uh, between, you know, the the product and and, and what are the the tastes, what are the smell? I mean, there's all this kinds of information, right? Right. And and a great way to navigate that is through a, a Touch type of environment, not to mention the highly visual nature that when you can get into that kind of an environment, that customer experience where you're touching through products and uh, you're seeing graphs or you're seeing graphics or even videos and things of that nature, touch is a great way to facilitate that. So yeah. high-end retail, yeah. think cannabis, it's the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I think, and this comes back to, and Bill, you mentioned the whole, like, somebody <clears throat> in there with a trench coat, and yet, at the same time, like, I don't think uh, that's not necessarily the case for a lot of these places anymore. It's not, right. it's not you know, the, again, this this idea that, you know, it's a seedy, dark place at the end of an alley somewhere or whatever, you know, no, most, most cannabis dispensaries are very... Yeah. A high profile, you know, nice retail type establishments. And granted, again, if you if you know anything about the industry, you know that already. But I think there's probably a lot of misconception there. Oh, sure. Which, you know, again, it lends itself to this kind of newer, more dynamic technology that people are excited about. And I think what what always stands out interesting to me when when you talk about the the touchscreen aspect of it and Bill mentioning, you know, like, hey, you know, is folks going in there deciding what do they want to browse, what do they want to ask something is typically someone who's new, who's not been to one of these dispensers before, that's the person that needs the customer service Bingo. and the help. That's right. They're the ones that are going up to the counter and actually asking a lot of questions mm-hmm. like, hey, help me out. I'm first time I've been in here. What do you recommend? Where should mm-hmm. I start? You know, mm-hmm. should I get sativa? Should I do this? Should I do that? I've never been to a dispensary either, but I've done enough research. I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I won't go if one ever opens up around here. Anyway. Right. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. And, and you know, the the bud tenders, the dispensary owners, the, the folks that work there, they want to get to help the folks that come to become those future potential customers. Absolutely. Meanwhile, you install these kiosks, touchscreen, self-service. Mm-hmm. That's for the folks that are the regulars. Mm-hmm. They know what they like. They know what they want. They can go in. They can browse through what's available. They can see what's new, where there are specials. Maybe they can go ahead and punch some orders in, mm-hmm. get them working out on the back, or maybe mm-hmm. get something delivered, whatever. Yep. You know. So again, it's the idea of... Being able to meet various types of customer needs, and again, it's no different than standard high-end retail. No, where it's not. Right, your regulars that come in often that know what they want, know what they're doing, are the ones that are probably going to go walk up to a kiosk, browse the menu, figure out what they want, place their order, get their stuff, go on. And the newbies, that way, you get more time to spend with them instead of instead of expecting to have a, a personnel out on the floor talking to every single mm-hmm. solitary person. That's that not going to happen, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'll give you another use case that's in the same vein, mm-hmm. cigar stores. So I, yeah. like, I go to my cigar store. I'd love to have a kiosk that tells me the differences between <laughs> all the, the hundreds of cigars right, they right. have there. I have no idea. 
All I can see is price, you know, and then maybe right. I know a couple brands and stuff like that. But what's truly the the, the difference between cigar A and cigar B? Right, right. I don't know. Or in this case, Bud One and Bud Two. What's no. what's the difference? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a especially lot of for nerds like us that are very like self research types. Well, you know, at least like, a little bit of info, right? I yeah, mean, I don't yeah. need the museum, you know, whatever moniker <laughs> up there to tell me all the stuff of it, but uh, just a little bit of information. So yeah. I you don't want to know exactly what field your cigar came from. Yeah, I don't and, even know. Well, know. maybe, you know, a nice little graphic, ding, 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 came from here. <laughs> Who personally rolled it for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, so we've got, we got prisons, we got cannabis dispensaries, two, two ripe-for-opportunity spaces here. Yes. Uh, now let's talk about healthcare. Uh, and, you know, I think most of us are familiar with the idea of touchscreens uh, and displays for check-in, for wayfinding in hospitals mm-hmm. and medical facilities. But where else are they helping staff and patients right now? Well, um, you know, there's a lot. And I think the first one that is pretty known would just be checking in, say, at an ER or a doctor's office or just a check-in kiosk. That one's been around for for some time. I think that was the beginning of it. Um, um, I remember seeing those, you know, 10 years ago, you know, sort of a check-in. I think telehealth is a big one now. um, And that... It grew exponentially during um, COVID. Uh, my wife's a healthcare provider, and she was she. I think she does four or five telehealth a day, and now she does them on an iPad. But I but the people, you know, you don't sure what type of um, situation they're doing it on. They could have a large screen at home. You don't know, but so telehealth is a new one that's uh, um, driving you know the uh, the, the touchscreens in healthcare. Um, th- another one that's been there, but I still think it's prevalent is wayfinding. Some of the very large hospitals have, you know, screens and they keep getting bigger. So you can go into larger format with, you know, touch screens to figure out where you're at in the hospital, you know, what sections, what. So I think those are some of the, uh, the old reliable ones. Um, and as technology, healthcare technology gets smaller, it gets more mobile. So more stuff is going on a cart now. So you have you have a touchscreen on the cart, maybe to check out a very expensive device of some type. You have the you have the rolling pharmacies. You know you have the health you have the touchscreen to punch in your code to pull out the drugs. So I do think the mobile cart is is growing. That's been there a while, but I think it continues to evolve. And once again, software people continue to make things better and more um, pertinent for the healthcare because a place that's really struggling for having enough people is healthcare though they're exiting mass exiting out of there so they're really short so i do believe that the more everywhere you look i think an interactive piece of hardware that is reliable and affordable is going to be there long term and um I, I think there's nothing but opportunity um in those areas right now yeah, healthcare is one of those dark horses that you don't really, you know, a lot of resellers look at healthcare and they're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like looking at government deals. Like, eh. It's a white whale. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's this big thing. And yeah. I don't know that I can get in there, but I'm telling you, I think uh, I think we're hitting the, the nail on the head here uh, real quick, Bill. I'm going to dive into telehealth and wayfinding real quick. On the telehealth side, you know, there are definitely opportunities there. And what we're hearing in the marketplace is that whole at-home care 
uh, you know, the smart hospitals and healthcare providers are starting to develop such things as kits that they can then, you know, ship off to or mm-hmm. send to a patient. And in that kit might be a touch screen, you know, d- a tablet display or something like that, a blood pressure monitor, a other devices that they can use in a, in a telehealth session, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to schedule to have the session and they want to get all the, the vitals and stuff like that while the individual is at home. So there's a lot of opportunities if you're, you know, if you think about it or if you've kitted stuff or other solutions, think healthcare because they are definitely going in that direction uh, for at-home care. Wayfinding, I, I like that one. It, it's, a, it's a good old standard in the digital signage world. Uh, but just to drill in there a little bit, I do see bad use cases of wayfinding and use of techno- touch technology right. and that the screen is too small. Right. If you're going to use wayfinding, I mean, the screen needs to be large enough to accommodate the visual from afar, number right. one, but also to help pe- allow people to navigate, which is why, I don't know, Bill, what's your take? What's the standard size you think you see in wayfinding? It's got to be like... 45 inch and greater i think it has to be minimum of 32 but i think it has to be bigger you want the target you want the targets big um because you don't want people struggling and um you you have a lot of elderly in the hospital that reinforces bigger is better and you know they're going to be off and they're pointing so as long as that squares a couple three inches or their action item i think it would be very helpful no, I'm with you there because because again, I've seen some use cases where they're using very less than sub twenty inch you know screens for wayfinding. They're touch. It's like what right. are you what are you doing? Nobody can go up there. What do I got to pull out my Palm Pilot stylist <laughs> and and try to see how I navigate to the next floor? No, it's got to be a nice size where people can navigate because we've talked about this before. You know, the UI is really important. You have to be able to accommodate that. So when you get into wayfinding, when you get into uh, display technology, especially on the touch side, that people are going to interact with it. You can't be you can't be that small. Yeah, you yeah. can get away with it if you, if you have uh, a, a nominal amount of tasks. Like if it's a kiosk where you know you're just you're ordering something, it's just you know bigger buttons and then pay now and, right, and that right. kind of stuff. That's fine. But in a map that you got to kind of navigate. Yeah. And oh no, I want to go here. No, I don't want to go there. I want to go here. You know, right, like it's right. very frustrating. From the user standpoint, if yep. they don't have the right size. So. Well, and I'll add on to that too. So, patient experience, we we talk all the time again, and it's one of my points that I always hammer home about the idea of technology where you are that's similar to what you're used to in your day to day life. Right. I remember when, and granted, this has been four years ago now, but when I was in the hospital with my wife for the birth of our son, you know, we're you know we had the big TV, you know, up in the corner of the room. And I did appreciate that at least I could do stuff from that TV. Mm-hmm. Like you, you mm-hmm. could call the nurse, you could order food, but you, you were still doing all of that from like a clunky remote experience. Like it was this giant remote that like, you know, had a lag time on it. I was, you know, to, to, to place a food order. If you messed something up, it was difficult to go back. You know, it still was not a, a prime experience. And, and meanwhile, I just bought a brand new iPhone, I think, that literally showed up like the day before <laughs> my son was born. I'm sitting there playing with that and thinking like, all right, I, I got the most advanced new technology in my hand and I'm using this kind of uh, very outdated at this yeah, point already technology right, going yeah. on mm-hmm. here right. Right, right so again I, that patient experience the idea of being able to when it, uh, someone's in the hospital for any length of time and maybe you know you're giving them the opportunity to to order food from their bedside or to again request help or or even just make you know communications or whatever you know that you want to do why not have you know some kind of a touch screen available to them something mm-hmm. that you know that they could pull over bedside and and you know and, and watch something or do something on it and again have that same feel that they're used to in their day-to-day life with touch screens everywhere you know that we already operate why not have that 
you know, available to them in the hospital. Because let me let's be honest, hospitals, a big part of what helps them out and helps them thrive is patient scores. You know, oh, it's, yes. It's a huge That's part of healthcare. Is Absolutely. They care about this. The nursing, yeah. the staff cares about yeah. this. Funding yeah. is can be hinged on this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're, they're always concerned about, you know, what are our patient scores? What are they mm-hmm. telling us mm-hmm. about the experience? And let's be honest. Most people don't have great experiences in, in when they go to a hospital anyway. You're not usually there because you're looking oh, for right. a fun time. Yes, exactly. You know? I see what you're saying. So, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. any little, you know, so that can be, it's problematic enough to begin with. It's hard enough to get somebody, you know, to give you a good score because they mm-hmm. had to be there. Mm-hmm. But as things continuously go wrong or if the technology is not right or they're having a, a bad experience or it took them forever to get someone to help, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that just keeps piling on and lowering those scores. Mm-hmm. So, again, why not? imagine how much better someone might feel like, hey, they had technology here that I was very comfortable with and used to. I loved using it. Hated that I was in the hospital, but it made it made my time there you know, a little more comfortable, a little more efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yep. Why yeah. not? Yeah, I, I think just in closing, the more the more technology they make available to the patient, like a dialysis clinic is another one where you're in there, but in the hospital is that if they have opportunities to surf or change the channel or, or order stuff, it's less demand on the shortage of nurses too. So the more they can distract, I think with technology, it helps the hospital and it goes back to your score that you mentioned there, Dean, or that, you, you know, it's all about scoring. I think the more they can get the, the customer or patient distracted, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up. Let's do a little speed round and think about some other niche use cases that are out there. So where where else are you seeing opportunities for VARs that they might not normally think of with touchscreens? Um, stuff that's sort of starting to happen now would be like building security. I mean, they've had building directories used to, it started with the putting the white little letters in and it went to maybe a 20 inch panel. Now, you know, security um, in buildings like the hotel I'm in today, it's, um, you go up and you t- touch what it shows uh, all the floors in the hotel. You touch which floor it's going and it cues it to a certain elevator. So um, that type of thing. So building security and building um, EV charging is a huge opportunity right now. Now they're kiosk and they're also standalone. So outdoor, indoor, EV charging is a big one. A um, little bit more into the K-12 in the schools. It's been in a higher ed and maybe high school, but Let's face it, kids that are three or four know more about iPads and we probably do at this time. So uh, it's getting younger. So I think there's more touch involvement even in the uh, elementary schools. Um, smart lockers. So, you know, people with all the porch thieves, porch pirates or whatever they call them, you know, people now can just have their thing go to an Amazon box or uh, some sort of a box at a Walgreens. You go in and you you punch in your code and you get your packages that way. So I think uh, those type of things, ski, ski, I went skiing this year. They have those, those lockers now with touch screens. You put your stuff in there instead of people always lose the lock or something of that nature. Um, room scheduling, that, that, that continues to grow. You have the big companies um, that are Logitech and Google that have all this stuff, Crestron that are doing all these room things. I think all, if anybody comes back to work in the office, um, that might have to rekindle that, but I think that was another place that was going well. And then kiosks for sure. Everywhere you go now, there's a kiosk. I mean, um, you know, even like now valets, they have the key systems now where you put things in. So all all these things that you see and you might not realize, but all those are starting to be touch controlled and some are touch initiated. So I do believe that just as people get more and more comfortable and people 
you know, as I say, and we mentioned earlier is the, the COVID hasn't hurt touch. At first it did people like, oh, I can't touch it. But now people don't want to get next to other people as much anymore. So I think as long as that's unfortunate because I'm a people person, um, I'd still rather go talk to somebody sometimes because I deal with touch all the time. I'm fine talking with people, but a lot of people don't. And so I think it's fortunate for our business, but I think it's unfortunate for for society as a whole, the more touch we get, because um, I think it pushes people apart, but that's what uh, seems to be in demand now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm one of them, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Leave gonna, me alone. I'm on my screen over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, Dean, you, I'm gonna you throw a couple, some others. Well, yeah, let's, let's throw a couple. Although, kudos for going to the EV charging route. Well, I knew uh, that. I appreciate we, that. We've yeah. got, might have a little initiative going on that. Maybe, and, you yeah, think? A little bit, a little yeah. bit. And uh, really, really great opportunities there, for sure, when you when you think about all that that's going to explode uh, in that area, no doubt about it. So a couple things I wanted to throw on the table. And, Bill, I'd love to give you your take on this, you know, because there's the traditional what I would call display technology that we've been talking about but let's let's dive a little bit into like open frame and maybe an area where a lot of resellers are a little bit nervous of getting into and the reason why i want to bring it on the table is because when you think about iot and and edge devices you know we talk a lot about the yep. edge and, mm-hmm. and it's it's there it's you know it's it's a thing it's happening and when you do that you start embedding uh technology in some unique areas or maybe some areas that you wouldn't think that you would be getting into for example you know robotics are going to be used in where warehousing and stuff like that. Well, the control modules or interfaces to maybe uh, control and see dashboards and stuff like that. Yeah, that could be on a traditional display, or maybe it's going to be embedded into a control panel or something existing already. Maybe you're helping a manufacturer, a manufacturer of, I don't know, like a ship or something like that. And they're looking to embed uh, or through use of open frame, I guess, uh, displays, you know, touch technology into their control panels of their new ships or something like that. Those are a couple niche use cases, but I, I think you get the point of where I'm going yeah. here is that, you know, where the whole world is going, not just from edge devices, but also embedding touch. Do you have any advice for resellers that maybe are traditional? They understand screens, but they really haven't gotten into the open frame side. Any pitfalls or any advice yeah. you would give folks? Well, I think one thing that, and then I'll get back to your question. One thing with when you get involved with, say, a life or death thing, so maybe a ship, a car, a plane, you have to have a really robust operating system, not a Windows, not a Linux. These are like companies like Wind River and some of these things that are bulletproof, essentially, because they're so embedding that in um, so that that firmware or that software stack has to be very, very stable. So. And then going on to the touchscreen portion of it, then as far as the the firmware and all that stuff has to be very ruggedized. So um, general, you know, to go buy one of something out of, you know, Blue Star's inventory of VAR to go into something like that, probably not so much. But as far as integrating it, you know, an open frame that can go into a wall, into a kiosk, into a control room. You know, maybe it's an oil refinery or something of that nature where people um, are doing that. I do think that um, because of the touch technology sort of narrowing down to primarily PCAP now, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's, you know, good 80, 90 percent of the market because 
it, you don't have to have a bunch of drivers anymore. It's pretty much a head device. It's just, you know, like a mouse, plug it in, it works most of the time. So I think people can, you don't have to have be as um, technology savvy or niche savvy as you were in the past because most of these are plug and play. I think you want to make sure that you pick the appropriate size. I think you've brought that up two or three times today, you guys, that the size isn't always right. And then that you just have the right software with the right um, solution because you can have a great open frame product in a kiosk or in a wall or in in some type of a transportation device. But if the software doesn't, you know, coincide with it and, and work together, it's going to be a tough sale. So I think it's having the ability to put that whole solution together as the bar and then you know, and that's where the relationships with their ISVs and, you know, just staying current and maybe going after a certain vertical market to begin with, if they are a little bit um, questionable on if they think they can go, you know, do some of these integrated solutions. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a use case that I that I was involved in, in, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head. So we did an open frame kiosk that we manufactured for, well, in conjunction with a manufacturer uh, that was used in auctioning, in an auction house. Uh, so, you know, and what they wanted was the ability to, for uh, people that were coming to the auction to interactively go between the different things that were coming up for mm. sale. Uh, and But they wanted it to be in a sleek, you know, they didn't want just a screen, right. you know, on a table right. sitting there, that be, which would have been okay, I guess. One but they more wanted experiential. Kind of bingo. Thing. They yeah. wanted a better experience. So it was in like this wood frame and we built and we had nice. never done anything open frame before. I mean, if you needed a display hung on a wall somewhere, right. we got you. We know exactly <laughs> how to do it. Open frame. What do you mean? What, what, or how are we going to uh, do that? How are we going to, so we had to get involved in it. And I'm glad you went there, Bill, because it's not, you know, there, there's no real reason to be afraid of it. It's, it's, it's just, you know, uh, it's just an open frame, you know, right, but the, right. the, the connections are still the same and stuff like that. And maybe you're getting in a little bit more on the engineering of the, uh, of the experience or the kiosk itself, but uh, don't be afraid, you know, and, and jump in there. Well, you know, we use Scala as the interface and the software to, to facilitate it. But today, you know, I've seen it being used where it's just websites, you know, and this, the ability to navigate the website in an interactive touch environment, maybe it's embedded via open frame in some kiosk or something like that. So yeah, those yeah. are the kinds of opportunities. So anyway, I was throwing out auctions. I was throwing out CNC machines, you know, a lot of these mm -hmm, machines mm -hmm. uh, with manufacturing coming back, hopefully to the U.S., you know, more uh, manufacturing happening. Yeah, right. Uh, there's there's opportunities there for open frame and stuff like that. So anyway, they're, 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 they're there. They there are there. People are using touch technology. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, Dean, real quick, is that if it goes into a wall or a kiosk, Primarily kiosks, you can the bar can sell advertising too, or, or sell to their customer that they can put their name on it. They can use decals and change it from week to week. You know, if it's a, like those crumble cookie shops where they have five flavors each week, they can put the decals up. And there's lots of revenue generating activity that if the bar takes that to the customer, it helps and, and show that they can pay that thing off. More more opportunity to, for them to sell the. Uh, sell that uh, solution to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't forget about that content management. Content is king, programmatic, digital out of yep. home. Oh, like, you're going to hear Blue Just Star because you sold that. that piece of technology, that hardware, doesn't yes. mean that you're you're done making money no. off of that particular No, segment, recurring so. revenue? Why? Yeah, yeah huh? what? No, I think that's a term we talk about from time to time <laughs> on the show. Yeah. We probably should have called us the recurring revenue podcast. I feel like that's... <laughs> 
hey, we're just trying to help <laughs> ours out, right? You know, how do you do that? Well, you keep that check coming in every month. That's exactly. How you help out. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, before we wrap up with uh, Bill telling us a little bit more about how Microtouch can help out our bars yeah. in particular, look for these opportunities. I want to, as always, uh, thank our Tech Connect members yes. and sponsors for supporting the podcast. Thanks so much to Microtouch for uh, sponsoring this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, if you like the show, um, please, you know, hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Smash the subscribe Smash. button for our channel so you Absolutely. don't miss out on all the video content that we're doing there. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if you uh, if you listen on the audio-only versions, uh, make sure you're subscribing to us. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Minimum. If you're listening there. Yep. Minimum, Minimum, yes. I mean, if you can go six stars somehow, please do that too. That's fine. But at least five, okay? Uh, and, uh, and you know, tell us what you think about the show. Give us some feedback. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to hear about. Check the show notes. There's always a link I put in there to give us topic suggestions. Absolutely. So if there's certain things you want to hear about on the podcast, all you'd have to do is go to that link. Drop us a quick note. Tell us what you're interested in hearing about on the show. Just for doing it, we will send you a Tech Connect podcast T-shirt. It's Boom. a nice shirt. There you go. It's just it's a it's a nice. Who doesn't soft, need a new shirt in the summertime? I mean, come on, right? If you want to use it as a rag or a painting shirt, I don't care. <laughs> you don't have to tell us. Just give us some topics. We're, or we're fine with. We it. think you'll be using wearing it with pride. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Uh, and as always, if you want to reach out to us, connect with us, you can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. First of all, with value to the VAR. So, Bill, I'll let you talk a little bit more about Microtouch's ability here. How are you guys helping VARs find these unique opportunities and and build out the build out the sale and bring touchscreen technology to the forefront? Well, since we've sort of uh, relaunched the Microtouch brand about a year ago, we're still you know treading through the water, uh, figuring things out how how we can be of value, and. Um, I think a couple of things that we can bring value is right now we're we're pretty limited um, on our distribution, and so that allows um, it it allows the VARs to and uh, you know have a little bit more margin because we're not everywhere at this point. You know we're not we're not going to be heard of as much. You do a web search, so I do believe that the VARs can make some good margin, and in times like this, uh, extra margin does help. Um, it it. With limited distribution, it allows for ease of acquisition in some aspect because by limitations, we're there's only a couple. We only have a couple of distributors right now. It, it's easier for the bars to get to, so they don't have to get five here and ten there. If we have them, they're going to be at probably one location. So I think it just makes a little bit more more streamlined. Um, the, the other thing is, is we do make our own product. We have two factories, one in Taiwan, one in China. So we can work with, uh, um, you know, redundancies and uh, have the ability for government contracts. And the other thing is, is um, the ability to customize to a certain degree. We don't want to go out and customize everything. But if there is some small changes, we do bring some value to that bar, whether it's putting their name on a product or, you know, they need it in white or they need something else done. Um, we have that ability to do that in a rather quick and limited uh, entry fee, if you will. We can do that on a pretty small quantity because we do, you know, control the factory. So those are some of the things. And then um, we we are true tier two distribution. We do not sell to the bar or to the end user at all. So I think that that'll give them a little bit of confidence that, you know, that they can if they bring a deal to us, we're not going to be, you know, potentially, you know, selling it sideways. 
And um, so, so I think um, simplicity, um, we're small. Um, I think we have a little bit uh, personal touch right now. And I think that is what uh, I think some of the bars do enjoy about us. Very nice. Yep, mm-hmm. I yeah. concur. I agree. You know, my favorite thing there was when you mentioned the fact of being able to get everything from like one, maybe two locations. Yes. Again, especially in our headache of a logistics and supply chain world right now. Yes. It's nice to be able to tell somebody like, oh, you want 50 displays? Well, rather than I'm going to give you five from here, six from there, 10 from over there, they're all going to show up within about one to one week to three months apart. You just say, oh, yeah, we've, we've either got Blue what you Star. need or we don't have what you need. Blue Star's got them all. Yes, all 50 are right there waiting there for you. you know? So that's a, that's a great message to be We like to that. You. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap things up, as always, with our, our fun favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? Uh, Bill, I'm excited to hear about yours. This is where we talk about something in the world of science, tech innovation that's caught our eye, got our attention, something mm-hmm. we're thinking about, talking about. Bill, what's Tech Connecting With You right now? Right now, the thing that sort of fascinated me is the uh, BMW, where they launched this e-ink changing paint color on the cars. And um, I don't know how prevalent it is out there yet. There's probably ways to get it. But some of the reasoning behind or some of the use cases or value adds of paying to have that thing were, were striking to me. A couple of them that stood out was like if it's an electric car, that the car can change color as it gets more charged. So you can look out your door and see, oh, it's back to red, it's charged. Um, say if you're driving for Uber or Lyft, you can have you know different color for empty and full you know, with a ride or without a ride. Um, the, 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 um, as the sunlight changes, you can change the color to reduce heat into the car, reflect the lighting. So there even are some you know things other than just I'm cool to have it, you know, to, um, there's some things that are actually well used. And I think the, the energy thing, you know, with the, uh, you know, sunlight and stuff like that. So it, it just, it's just, it's sort of a neat thing. Um, I don't know about if policemen are going to real be real heavy on that. But, <laughs> you know, we're looking for yeah. <laughs> the guy in the black I BMW. Go there. <laughs> yeah. This is the ultimate, <laughs> this is the ultimate James Bond, you know, like he, uh, he, whatever. They did the crime in a silver car, right, but the green right. car, boop, turns black. Yeah. Turns yep. white. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the police. I wonder if that could stop it. I don't know if something like that could put some brakes on it. I didn't, I didn't see that mentioned in anywhere, but that was something I was thinking of. I could have used a few times was zip around the corner and change the color of your car. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it came in handy. I got away in a blue car and you're, you were coasting right by them in a black car now instead. But so. to your point, the usefulness of this technology, I was just kind of watching it as you were talking about, that is really cool. Yeah. It is pretty slick and I can, yeah, I can see, uh, you know, uh, how do I know if that car is, you know, has an occupant, uh, whether it's an Uber or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you can like put what, how realistic of graphics you could even put it. I right was thinking that too, like, like advertising, color changes and stuff or, like right, that but right. man it's i'm telling you it's tiled and i bet you could do that pretty easily i'm yeah. i'm pumped about this technology Are like, you? i'm there's just stuff so everything since bill mentioned it before we got on here that uh-huh. he was going to talk about this yeah <laughs> you got the stuff, wheels crawling yeah, yeah spinning through my head so one okay so we talked about the advertising part that was something yeah. to me yeah, that yeah, occurred yeah, yeah. to me right there okay uh what about like mood changing <laughs> 
so that like you know what you're dealing with with drivers around you. I'm not thinking about for me. I'm thinking about for everyone else. Like yes, yes. if it turns like a bright red, like it's someone who's suffering road rage right now. Maybe you back off. Yeah, a little back bit. off a little bit. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're not driving very well. They're a little distracted driving. They're kind of oh, weaving a bit. Turn yellow is like cautionary. Right? Like yeah. you might want to hang back a little. This person's not driving too well right now. Uh, maybe yeah, so, for when your spouse is on the way home, see what color the car is. There you go. You see them pulling into the driveway. Uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> I better, I better uh, clean things up real quick and uh, yeah. get some flowers ready or something. Yeah. Or straight out the back door. Uh, one yeah, of the two. Yeah, yeah. That, that too. Uh, what about you know, like I was, you mentioned the police thing, obviously, and like you know the changing like color to get away with stuff. But I was also thinking like, aren't there haven't there been like statistics that show that that police pull over red cars more than any other type? I'm right. Okay. I feel yes. like I remember I hearing that. So yes. Maybe that's not really the case, or maybe that's just an urban legend. But well, if so. I mean, think about that. Like, you know, Waze always tells me if there's police somewhere ahead. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they tell me the police are ahead? I'm just like, all right, hit the button and white cha- change over to yeah, blue. white or blue or something. <laughs> Whatever the most unoffending color, like the least pullover color right. is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know, man. There's just I think there's like a lot of cool possibilities. And I'm just thinking also, like, you know, when I've gone shopping for cars, or I mean, when I went shopping with my wife for a car, like. There's, you know how it is when you go looking for a car, you have a color in mind that you want, mm-hmm. but often finding what you want with the the specs that you want mm-hmm. with all the impossible. You know, the, it's impossible yeah. in the color, and you, and you end up. Oh, we don't have color that car for you, John. You set, we you, we you, have this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 you yeah. end up color tends to be one of those things you end up settling and yes. just going, all right, yes. fine, fine. I got everything else I want. It's not quite the right color. Well, now that could be a great upsell for the for the card manufacturers. And, hey. Look, I can't, you know, I don't have that on lot right now, but I got this car that's got everything you want. And we'll, for an extra thousand dollars, we'll coat it with the oh, special only color. Only a thousand? I'm well, wondering what this ten thousand goes honest, for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more than that. That's that's a good one. I really like that. That's that's, that's very much in the spirit of Tech Connecting. Man. Very much so. What about very you, Dean? So. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? Okay, well, would you like to... Uh, here here it is. Would you, would you like to look 30 years younger? Uh, w- yeah. Would you like to look 30 years younger, John? Well, no, wait. I was going to be 15. I don't, I don't, I don't want to look 15. Oh, okay, Bill, would you like to use thirty or look 30 years younger at some point in time in your life, you think? That would be pretty cool. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Researchers, I would. I'll go 20. I can go 20. 20? Okay, funny. well, researchers have demonstrated a technique to literally rewind the biological clock and skin cells with the equivalent of 30 years. So this uh, place is called the Babaram Institute in the UK. Babaram. Yep. They have partially rejuvenated cells um, so that they show signs of behaving more like youthful cells in experiments that they have run, right? But the new method, now it's based on a Nobel Prize winning technique. So this is serious stuff, right? This is not like, oh, whatever, snake oil sales or anything like that. (laughs) Nobel Prize winning technique scientists use from stem cells overcomes the problem of entirely erasing cell identity by halting the reprogramming part of the way uh, through the process. So they're kind of halting part of the process, if you will, uh, through this, uh, whatever, through through this process. Um, anyway, it allows the researchers to be very precise about how much they want to reprogram it, but they think they can go up to 30 years back. So mm. Is it going to be some day that you would go into some spa or something like that? Oh, how many years would you like us to dial back or something? We're going to reprogram your skin cells. And so that uh, you look twenty years younger. No, look, that's all well and good, but I want the insides to get oh, younger. Oh yes, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Like you can dial back the skin all you want, but if 
I'm still I'm old right. on the inside and falling apart, and everything's not working anymore. You don't want to. Doesn't really old, matter, you yeah. know. Like if you got an eighty-year-old heart. And, yeah, exactly. And you're fifty on the outside. Yeah, yeah I yeah, see. Exactly. Okay, so I, you're on hold until we get the internal stuff. Yeah, going. yeah. Got I mean, it. You can back up all. I mean, sure. Maybe I would shave like five, ten years off or something like that. You know, maybe get me in a little more of my prime. You hey, know, man, but, uh, they're gonna start with the skin cells. Maybe they move to the heart next. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let me know when we can back up everything else. So <laughs> got it. When I can dial back the rest of the organs <laughs> yeah are you on that boat too bill yeah 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 um i and and how long is that good for and you know that type of thing you sort of wonder three months later do you look 30 years older than before you started <laughs> yeah yeah that's a very good point like is it something like yeah we yeah. got to come in for like weekly treatments that are a thousand bucks each now you yeah, know, they're right. not telling you that part no they're know, not so. telling us that part no 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 all and right. I don't know if you can keep doing it, right? Right, like, right, right. It's like the eternal facelift, and then it just starts looking like you're glue or gummy <laughs> or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's the other part of it, too, is like, you know, I, I feel like often these, these you know, miraculous make you look at younger things go wrong or become painfully obvious to the rest painfully of us. Painfully like, obvious. Like, yes. I know that you're not actually that young, and it is very obvious <laughs> that you have made these certain parts of you look slightly younger. Try so. to make them try. Yes. yes. The operative All right. Day. So the jury's still out, but you yes. know, you never know. You might get some aging. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll put that in the keeping an eye on keep this an eye folder. On. There you go. Yeah. What's tech connecting with you? All right. So I recently uh, found a couple year old article in, uh, I think it was in the Hollywood reporter, a little bit of an oral history of the film, the black hole. Okay. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not seen that movie. Bill, have you seen this film? Okay. No, I have not. This was a Disney film from 1979. It was kind of their answer to Star Wars. Really? I was a big, big fan of this movie when I was a kid. Okay. And and I actually, as soon as Disney Plus became available, it was one of the first films that I looked up and, and made found was on there and watched again. And I admit it doesn't quite hold up the way Star Wars does. Okay. This but this was a very interesting story because it was a huge gamble on Disney's part to, to make this okay. film. First of all, again, like I said, they were trying to like figure out like how do we do our own Star Wars of sorts. And apparently this film had been in the the production cycle for a long time, even before Star Wars came out. Oh, okay. And they dusted some stuff off, polished gotcha. it off, found a director to, to work on this. So this film stars Robert Forrester, Ernest Borgnine, Anthony Perkins, Maximilian Schell. That's the four major uh, um, actors that were in it at the time. Not and yeah, those are stars. It's a very this the simple pitch of the story is basically a, um, a, a group of explorers that are out you know exploring space come across a derelict ship that had been thought missing for a long time. Find this reclusive captain surrounded by like drone like robotic people and mm. uh, and actual robots or whatever camped outside of a black hole. And he wants to basically he wants to go into the black hole and discover its mysteries and be got it. Whatever. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and along the way, the crew uncovers some you know dramatic secrets, all this kind of stuff. It was very fun, cool film. It's got some interesting. The robots in particular are kind of interesting. There was a really evil robot, a red robot named Maximilian. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, oddly enough, and he's kind of like the big sort of the secondary villain of the film. A very creepy imagery type, you know, robot that I remember sticking with me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the 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 history of this film and the story behind it's kind of fascinating. So one, so twenty million dollar budget. So you know they didn't have a lot to go on, and yet it, it looks all right for twenty million. Uh, it was the first PG film that Disney ever released. Everything up to that point was was G. G? Oh, this was a little more right, yeah. adult oriented of sorts. Okay. So it, it, it got, got the, the PG. Warner, yes. 
a couple one of the best a couple of best stories that came out of this is one the actress they cast for the doctor on the ship original actress that they cast had this beautiful long hair and they wanted her to have short hair because they were filming like kind of like zero g type scenes right and her hair would just get everywhere right and they like you're gonna need to cut your hair and she was all like no i don't want to do that and they were like if you want this part you got to cut your hair so she showed up on set one day with the literal Vidal Sassoon, her hairstylist, showed up with her, and they cut her hair while she was chugging red wine, apparently, <laughs> to deal with the, to deal with having all of her hair cut off. I mean, she, apparently she had hair like you know all the way down her back, you know, oh, this man. luxurious, Are beautiful you hair. Kidding me right now? At the now? end of the at the end of the process, they got her hair finished and got it cut. She decided to drive home. Yeah. After again having a lot of wine, right. got into a car accident oh, and was in the hospital, and therefore did not get the part. They get cast another town. woman to play this role eventually because they needed to move quickly. They needed. Do to we move call that forward. karma? Maybe uh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad for this poor woman. Like yeah, it's like okay. not only were they just like you know no if you want to be in our movie you're gonna cut your hair right never mind there's wigs that can accomplish that you can <laughs> you can put a woman's long hair up under a wig that's and fair. accomplish the short hair look that's just fine that's fair that's fair so that's this fair. poor woman not only has to cut her hair gets into a car accident I'm assuming she was okay and doesn't even get the part in this oh, film oh man the other interesting story is if you do ever see this movie it has a crazy ending that to this day still kind of baffles me. I read the novelization at one point and uh-huh. kind of feel like I understood the ending a little more. I won't spoil it, but there's an insanely strange kind of out of left field sort of ending to it. Like that, Clockwork Orange? Uh, no, more like least? 2001. Oh, almost. oh yes. Like a very trippy kind of, ah. well, apparently they didn't have an ending for the story while they were filming either. And they kind of <laughs> made it up a few weeks before <laughs> they finished production and decided to film this ending. And it is a, and again, for also for a PG film that sort of is for kids and definitely, you know, is PG at the time. It is way over any kid's head to even possibly remotely understand. Wow. Okay. Again, I still now watch. I got to see go. this thing. Yeah. It's a fun. It really is a fun, fascinating right. film. And there's some really cool, different special effects that you wouldn't expect in it. So fair enough. The fair black enough. hole. The black uh, hole. Huh? Uh, I'll yeah. put the link to that article. It's a fascinating read of kind of you know not old Hollywood, but a well, little now a little more outdated. Rotten Tomato now. only gives it a 39. So really, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, like I said, it's it peaks a certain. I think if you were of a certain age where you just loved anything science fiction. And, you know, obviously, like I said, it's no Star Wars, but it, you know, it scratches a little bit of that fudge for a fun space adventure. Fair enough. And it's got some cool kitty-friendly robots in it. (laughs) A terrifying robot that commits a heinous murder, like, halfway through the film. But other than that. But other than that, it's got some fun, cute little robots in it. We're watching the black hole. There you go. Check out the black hole. Bill Nolf from uh, Microtouch, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it having you on. Hey, until next time, um, maybe try, if you got to go to prison, check out and make sure, demand demand the best touchscreen technology. The best technology you can. Yeah. Watch the black hole. And as always, folks, stay connected. <laughs> TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Microtouch. Hopefully this episode convinced you to look for some more unique and unexpected places to sell touchscreen technology. Nichey? Yeah, nichey. Yeah, I think or so. Or niche, as most niche, of us say. I'm sorry, niche, yes. yes. You've got me saying niche on a regular basis <laughs> now, you know. Uh, so, of course, Microtouch has you covered here yes, with sir. their IC215P display. Nice. Uh, this is a 20, 21.5-inch PCAP all-in-one touch computer with an Intel 7th Gen i5 processor. We like that. Standard 8 gig DDR4 memory and 128 gigs of storage. That's quite a bit of storage there. Mm-hmm. Uh, combining computing performance and enterprise control with industry-leading touch experience, 
enables an effortless and reliable solution for a variety of applications like prisons, dispensaries, healthcare. Like all those we just talked about? All the stuff we just talked about today. Bingo. Designed with an ultra-modern, slim aesthetic, versatile IO selections, and edgeless touch brings to life a true value-add experience for customers. I love the edgeless touch, by the isn't, way. Yeah, isn't that Very cool? nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, it offers flexibility from POS to an exposed kiosk, self-service to point of information, mounted landscape, or portrait. Uh, peripheral options like MSR and a camera module kit, the IC251P is a perfect solution for your customers every day or highly unique needs. Mm-hmm. So check out the link in the show notes for more details or contact your Blue Star representative.